No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Katherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hotmeyer, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. So today we start a new series. We get lots of questions from listeners asking about tips or suggestions, especially with regard to safety apps and technology that they can use to keep themselves, their families, or friends safe. So for May, we're going to be highlighting safety apps and safety technology that are working to make our world a little safer. And we couldn't think of a better way to kick off this series than by welcoming Ed English and Chris Russo from Alert. Ed is a serial entrepreneur and has a background in computer science, which as a prosecutor who avoided math and science, I am very fascinated by. And prior to Alerts, Ed was the CEO of Intermute, a computer security company that was a pioneer in anti-spy software. Chris, Alerts founder, is a career first responder. Uh, from Massachusetts, where he serves as chief of the Hull Fire Department. Um, And after a career as a first responder, he knew that smartphones and apps could help save lives. And so came eLerts. And so welcome, Ed and Chris. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks. Nice to be here. Pleasure. All right, we're going to jump right in. So Chris, we love the entire idea behind eLerts, which allows individuals to provide information quickly and anonymously. But how did you guys come up with this idea? Uh, thanks, Catherine. You know, 10 years or so ago, when smartphones hit the market, it, they exploded, right? And, and before you know it, you know, 96% of the population had a smartphone. And it was rather really quick in that first year's time. Um, so on, just sitting one day and, and thinking with all this technology wrapped in the, everyone's, the palm of everyone's hand, you know, what can we do to help first responders and other people in need and general safety reporting, you know, for the public at large? And then, you know, we started tackling that down and, and then we looked into, you know, transit authorities and airports and in other places where there is large groups of gathering where we could use the humans to crowdsource information for public safety. Uh, and from there, um, you know, I, I met my, my good buddy and good friend, Ed, who, um, you know, put the pieces together for us um, with the design and the technology uh, end of it. Here we are today, you know, um, with our platform and, and multiple agencies and all over the country and having tremendous success with public safety and, and general safety concerns, even during COVID. And Ed, I think I said it a little bit earlier. I am not tech savvy. Catherine will vouch for that. She all of the background stuff. Explain to us a little bit about the how the eLerts technology works for our listeners. Sure, I'd, I'd be glad to do that. Um, I just want to add a little more. You know, Chris doesn't give himself enough credit. I think he really had a good vision. You know, when these smartphones first came out, and I first met Chris through a mutual friend. I was looking for something else to do. Uh, had kind of wrapped up the last company and. You know, it was a very interesting idea, the first meeting I had with Chris. But I think the problem that, he, that struck him that he explained to me was 
a lot of times public safety radio systems are tuned so they can't talk to each other. You know, one town can't directly talk to the other. And there are just some kind of like natural impediments to communicate built into public safety. It's the way it's, it's like always been. And so the idea of being able to sort of like spread communication across an, an incredibly large number of people by using the smartphone as the common denominator was, was really appealing. And it made so much sense that I was shocked that it hadn't been done yet. Like, and I told Chris, that's a great idea. I'm going to go back and research it. And I'll probably find 12 other companies who are already doing this and, you know, we'll talk. But I went back and I found no one was really doing this. So, you know, we put it together. We got a team together and, and we built it. So I just wanted to give a little more background on, you know, the origin. But how the system works is uh, pretty straightforward. You know, the app is designed to be very simple to use. And we've learned along the way and made improvements. You know, one of our first customers was the police chief at the Boston MBTA Transit Agency. And he was adamant when we met him, he wanted two big buttons. And he explained to us that he had MIT in there building something for free for him. And he threw them out. He's like, these guys are building me a rocket ship to Mars. And I'm trying to tell them two big buttons. When people are in a state of distress, they can't handle 12 buttons. Like you, you just can't, your motor skills decline when you're in a, a stressful situation. So we listened very carefully to the chief and we built that product and we found out 10 years later, it works fantastic. Uh, it keeps it easy in the mobile app. Two big buttons is what he said. I want to report a problem button and a call police. And that's what we have. And we never vary it. Sometimes people will ask us like, nope, we're not changing that. This works. We know what works. But the, the whole flow had to be really simple for a person in distress. That was our model of what had to work and what had to happen. So we don't ask a lot of questions of people. It's not like a police form, you know, fill out this and fill out this and what's the height and the weight and all this. It's like none of that. Uh, we just give them a free form field. They can type in a description of what's going on. We just ask them, can you know, tell us what's going on and they can send a photo if they want. We automatically disable the camera flash so it's discreet. We don't want to attract attention to anybody who's uh, reporting something. And you know they're reporting some bad action going on or a bad actor. So that's very subtle. And people can do this in less than 30 seconds, which is also key to why this works because so many other systems, they take so long that people are like, forget this, let somebody else report it. And they just go in their way. Everybody's busy. We're all in a hurry. Everyone's trying to get to point A to point B, whether you're going to work, going home, going to school. Um, you don't have a lot of time. So we, we needed to get this done in 30 seconds and we did it. I think that's great. And I think the point about individuals in distress, you need to keep the model simple, is perfect. Melissa and I train a lot on trauma-informed, trauma-centric investigations and how when somebody's going through a traumatic event, basically the whole brain is reacting different mm -hmm. than any other normal situation. You're going to be in fight, flight, or freeze. You're not going to be able to be doing, you know, high modes, 12 button MIT apps. So I think that was a great way to make the app that anybody, no matter what they're experiencing, can follow the prompts from the app, get the information and do it in a discreet way. Mm -hmm. But I think you guys aren't giving yourselves enough credit, you know, putting all the credit on the on the Boston chief there, because one of the things we love so much about eLerts is quite frankly, the background that both you, Ed and Chris come from, because they're completely different. Got the tech savvy and the dedicated first responder. And we think it's made a wonderful product. 
But how do you think coming from the two completely different backgrounds has worked to make alerts better for the customers it serves? That's a great question. You know, it, it's a really great two sets of parallels here between me and Ed, right? Because, you know, I'm overwhelmingly concerned with, with everyone's safety, right? That's my background and, and that's how, how I am. And to capture that with me talking fast and, and things that can't be engineered or built that I say, well, Ed, why can't you build this? You know, and he's looking at me like, well, it's because it doesn't work that way, right? And so it was that learning curve for me was good and uh, educational. I learned a lot about technology and engineering that I've carried through the job still to this day that have been been awesome. And so our conversations are um, are very candid back and forth, even a little feisty now and then because I'm saying, well, come on, we, we must be able to do this, right? I saw this or I read this and he's like, all right, slow it on me. Let me see if I can figure this out and, and we can build it in. So for me, it's just been, it's been such a great experience and a, and a good friendship. And we built such a great product and a good team that um, it's just been a pleasure. Yeah, I, I kind of second the motion. Yeah, it's interesting. Chris is a real superhero. You know, he he saves people. I mean, that's his career and he does it. I've been with Chris in several instances where he has saved lives on the spot where we're traveling. You know, we were on vacation or on business trips and it doesn't matter where we are. He jumps in and, and contributes. You know, it's a longer podcast than going into some of the stories that we've been on. But uh, I, I'm a superhero wannabe. I'm a Batman fan. Always been a comic book fan and stuff like that. But you know, Chris is really a real life superhero. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The, you know, first responders like Chris who put their lives on the line to keep us safe are you know one of the things that make our our country so great. And I think one of the most important parts that I know that Chris has wanted to focus on, especially with alerts, is human trafficking and talking about if you see something, say something, especially in the context of human trafficking, because it, you know, and Chris knows this, and, and so do you, Ed, that it doesn't look like what we see in the movies, right? It can look really pretty innocuous. And if you get that feeling that something is wrong, we want you and alerts wants you to say something. And so in the context of human trafficking, why is it so important for your users to have the ability to be anonymous and to quickly report it? Well, I, you know, we, we kind of got involved in the human trafficking prevention or uh, intelligence probably about three years ago, three and a half years ago. And, uh, you know, we got approached by a couple of transit agencies that were interested in this because I didn't really understand this naturally, but transit agencies are naturally a big part of the ecosystem when it comes to human trafficking. Victims have to be moved from point A to point B. And so transit is just the way they go or airplanes, you know, they, they move across the country. Mm. Uh, a lot of the strategies, I've been to a lot of human trafficking conferences, I've spoken at some of them, but you know, hearing the victims and how they get moved frequently to keep people guessing where they were, they wanted to be unpredictable. So they moved them city to city, they moved them to another state, you know, they move. And this is where there's a unique opportunity to do something about it. If someone just recognizes the warning signs and reports it, it can be stopped. So uh, we had a couple of transit agencies uh, approach us about this, that the mobile app is working great. People are able to see a menu of report types. Um, they can choose whatever they want, but the report types, when they go to send a report in, uh, it might be like unattended bag or suspicious activity or a crime in progress. So we added uh, suspected human trafficking as one of the report types. And we immediately started getting dozens of reports and what's different about this than the, the human trafficking hotlines, a lot of the human trafficking hotlines, I think, are oriented towards a victim calling in and saying they're being trafficked. Our, you know, our tact is it's a witness. It's someone who's observing something or hearing something that's not appropriate. 
And what we found out is a lot of times these traffickers that are moving victims on the transit agencies, they think they're invisible out there. And they're kind of blabbing and they're doing things, you know, as if no one's paying attention, people are paying attention. And they're using the app to snap a picture, send in a description. And we've had a whole assortment of different kinds of uh, what they've seen. Sometimes, you know, inappropriate touching, you know, a young underage male and an older middle-aged guy. They don't seem to have any family relationship here. There's something funny going on. Sometimes there are women that are visibly bruised, cuts on their necks and their arms, and they're being bossed around to get up and make money. I'll slap you. And they're being threatened right on the train or on the bus. So it's fantastic that the, the witnesses, you know, are helping by snapping a picture and sending it in. And it goes, you know, the GPS location goes up also when they send a report. So basically the authorities know where to come and stop the problem or, or investigate it and check out what, what is going on here. Yeah, great. That's a great point. And Melissa, you bring up a really good point about human intelligence, right? So everyone wants to talk about artificial intelligence and technology and what goes on. But ultimately, like when the hair stands up on the back of your neck and you know something's not right, humans have an ineptability to see that, understand it, acknowledge it. And, and they needed a tool to report it because, you know, we talked about the see something, say something mantra. And a lot of what we saw was it's a great slogan. It's very catchy. Everyone knows it, but there was no tool to do it. Um, so, you know, we provided that tool uh, that's, as you said, anonymous for that human factor um, that really gets it when they see something's out of sorts. You know, people in transportation are, are very systematic. They sit in the same seat. They ride the same train. They get off the same stop. You know, so all those things come into the equation of, you know, that's not normal for, for this these two people to be sitting in that seat or on that bench or in this area at this hour of the day. So it's such a great advantage to, to engage the ridership and the employees who are on these trips and do these things daily. You know, it's really it's powerful. Yeah, Chris, you said that, and I don't even think about it. When I go to get on the Metro, I do try to get on the same car every single time. I've got the place I like to stand on the platform that works for me, and that's the the cab I like to get in. And I don't even think about it until you say it that, you know, we are creatures of habit. But part of that is you're right. We know what fits in our habitat and what doesn't. And being able to have those buttons to make that report to upload that picture allows somebody to make that anonymous report to do something, but still be safe themselves at the same time. I think a lot of times, you know, now people are a little more hesitant to jump in personally in between two people where they may have done that 20, 30 years ago, but this still provides citizens a way to be involved and to try to help in a way that they feel safe for them or if they're traveling with their young kids or something else, they can still make that difference. Yeah, Ed's done a lot of lectures. And one thing he always touched on is the willingness to dial 911 and get involved. And that's really, it's it's diminished in some respect because people, even now more so than ever, they don't want to be in that deep. You know, they want to do something, they want to say something, but the process is too convoluted that they can't, they won't. If they can't do it in a safe environment, they won't. So, you know, we had to find that secret recipe. This is, okay, how do we do this and empower these people at the same, same time, keep them safe and keep as much information as possible flowing, right? And um, and I think we've, we've really um, done a great job with, with that piece, um, with our technology, quite honestly. Well, we agree. And we love that you have worked with first responders, transportation, always to try to make this app work. Part of it is we understand we're, we're a transient society ourselves. We can work in one city, live in a different state. Our kids can go to school in yet a different one, and we all come together at one point. 
So where can our listeners find eLERTS and where is eLERTS up and running? Well, so um, eLERTS is running at over 30 transit agencies and airports around the country. And uh, we, we also have uh, some cities like downtown Dallas that are using it for the residents down there to report abnormalities that they see or deficiencies in quality of life. You know, transit agencies like the Boston MBTA, the Atlanta Martyr, the Dallas DART, the San Francisco BART system, the Chicago Metro system. Uh, you know, we're spread out pretty well all over the country at uh, both large agencies and smaller agencies that may just have a few dozen buses. Uh, so it's really mostly available through the transportation uh, that people would take. Uh, we also have airports like Denver International and uh, SeaTac Airport out in Seattle. People can also report things there through the app and we also provide, one of the tricks we've learned over the years is give people multiple ways to report something. Let them report the way they want, not the way that we want to dictate to them. So we also provide a text-to-tip phone number for each of our customers that they can put up on signage and also a QR code and a web form that will open up that mimics the mobile app. So when you give people a choice, there's a lot of people that have the state-of-the-art iPhone and yet they don't want to download an app, but they're perfectly happy to send a text a tip message in. There's something inappropriate going on here. And that you answered, I think, my next question, which is if some of our listeners want eLerts to come to their city or if they you know, have a city where eLerts is not available on their public transportation, how can they get in contact with you or how they, can they go about doing that other than you know, protesting at City Hall? Well, they, they can always contact us at the website at eLerts.com or Call our phone number at 877-256-1971. But it's also useful to mention it to your transit agency CEOs or board of directors that you'd like to see maybe increased safety. And uh, eLerts is all about increasing public safety and customer experience during the transportation venture or segment of people's days. So, you know, we would recommend that, that uh, riders, you know, mention it to the authorities or, you know, the executives that work at their transit agency. Oh, no, it's a great point, Ed, you know, um, and I think the second part of your question was you were asking about, you know, how did, how did they find us, right? You know, we, we've got a pretty um, a prevalent website and, you know, but I, I think you don't have to look too far to see where eLurs is performing and, and what we're doing. A, a quick Google search at eLurs.com and you'll see that, you know, that we've really diversified um, our client base and our product. And and um, there's testimonials on our website as well. And there's a web form and lots of numbers to contact us. So we're always happy to speak with anyone to, to roll this product out anywhere. Um, they, could, they can help, you know, especially with human trafficking. And we're going to have the links to the website and all the numbers in our podcast notes. So everybody can go there to click on them as well. However, we can't be doing this interview in May of 2021 without addressing the pandemic. And so Melissa and I have talked about the COVID pandemic and how it's impacted gender-based violence through intimate partner violence, specifically all over this country. But it's had to have had an impact as well on e-alerts. And so can you share with us how the COVID pandemic has impacted reporting through your platform? Well, one, you know, one obvious thing is ridership is way down on both public transportation and airports. The pandemic has kept people away from traveling and a lot of people are working at home now. And, you know, some people don't have to commute, you know, right now during the pandemic anyway. So the raw numbers of riders on the transit system is down. Ironically, the number of crimes isn't down on a lot of transit agencies that the, the criminals are opportunists 
and stuff is still going on. So uh, we're seeing a reduction, but not a reduction proportionate to the less ridership. Uh, but there is a slight reduction in the number of reports coming in versus prior to the pandemic. That's one you know, result that we're seeing from COVID. Well, you know, the other thing about COVID too, though, is, uh, you know, COVID is so intimately tied to public transportation and it, it's on people's minds. People want to feel safe when they travel uh, by train or by plane. And so there are, you know, national mask mandate in place right now that everybody has to wear a mask to get on. So um, our app is being used to help manage COVID at transit agencies and airports. And the way it's doing that is people are able to report uh, either mask violations or uh, people not behaving properly, or, um, you know, one of the popular report types that is coming in is the hand sanitizer is empty. We had Denver International Airport contact us early about that in the pandemic. And they said, boy, uh, a lot of the employees have been telling us they don't feel safe because the hand sanitizer is empty. Could you add this? And so we added that as a report type. And all of a sudden, got a lot of reports coming in that hand sanitizer here is empty. It's empty here. This kind of thing is easy to fix if you know where the problem is. And so that's what we do is we tell them exactly where the hand sanitizer is, is empty and you know maintenance can take care of it. That is a way to definitely make uh, riders or flyers feel much safer through this pandemic. Hopefully we're getting towards the end of it. Um, and as much as we love talking about how technology works and, and how these apps can help people. I think what really hits home sometimes for people is hearing a story, um, what you, I guess, call a success story. So can you tell us one or two instances where you've heard back from users about how eLerts has helped someone? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stories. Way more than half a million incidents have been reported through the eLerts platform. You know, some of the ones that stand out to me, like we don't go full circle on this. Our, our part of the, the business is to enable riders and employees to quickly report stuff. And so that's what they do. They get it to the authorities who are on the management console for eLerts. And, you know, they reply back and forth, chat with the rider or the employee who submitted the report and get more information. And then they respond to the particular incident. But, you know, one that gets me, you know, it's, it's suicide related and it, it's another problem that you know a lot of people may not know a lot about but approximately every three hours in the united states a person or vehicle is struck by a train and some of these are suicides and so we had one instance at a uh, rail transit agency that person used the app to report a guy on the top of the bridge over the tracks he seemed all drugged up and he told the guy he was jumping the next train and this guy was really upset. He um, sent a report in uh, telling the, the police at the transit about this. And they quickly responded. You know, they asked him a few questions. You know, where is he exactly on the fence over the bridge? And they got the details and they dispatched a unit out there. And uh, they went up and this guy moved on and he hopped on the train and went about his business. But he received a message 20 minutes later from the transit agency saying, we just want to follow up with you and let you know we uh, responded. We got the guy off the bridge. He's safe. But, uh, and, you know, thanks, thanks for helping because these things happen. And a lot of the suicides are observable. There are known behaviors of uh, what people do before they uh, inflict self-harm jumping in front of a train. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can be trained to see this. In some countries like the UK, they're very open about telling the public what to look for to observe. You know, I think here we're a little more cautious about that. Don't want to give people ideas and things like that, maybe. So it's not quite as 
open book as it is like in the UK and Europe. They tell you people pace back and forth and they stand way down the end of the station and they, they try to act like nothing's going on. Sometimes they empty their pockets out of all their belongings before they go and jump in front of a train. You know, that's only one. I mean, I know we've, we've potentially stopped dozens or more uh, of people from jumping in front of trains because somebody was alert and got that sixth sense there's something going on here. Um, so I, I, I like seeing that, that people got a second chance. Hey, hey Ed, what about the uh, missing the missing little girl early on in our early years on the orange line? Why don't you tell us about that one, Chris? This was this was a great outcome. So there was a report of, of a, a 12, year, 12 or 13 year old little girl missing early morning inside the system um, up, up here where we live. And so the police took time and, and sent out a picture, say, listen, this little girl's missing. It's 8.15 a.m. She, she got in the system, didn't show up. We wish she was. So the, the picture of this little girl was circulated very quickly. So we started getting immediate feedback. We're seeing the reports come in saying, I think she could be on this train. I think she's here. And then within 28 minutes, we see the final report and it says the little girl's been located. She's on the orange line. She's distraught. She got on the wrong train. She's going the wrong direction. Um, all in a matter of 20 minutes. And you know, when people go missing, that first hour, the first half hour is critical, right? But after the first hour, you know, you can be a long ways away if you've been abducted or you're missing, right? Or, or you have mental illness. So the power of the solution and the people that got involved were all so happy, right? They, they're like, they just wanted to help find this little girl and get her, make sure she was safe. So that was a great one, in my opinion. That was early on. And that was when we just started. That's amazing. Just to complete that story, that is a great story, Chris, just so uh, everyone understands how this works. So eLerts is a two-way system. So a dispatcher back at the console, they can broadcast out a bolo, a be on the lookout for a certain person. And they do this all the time, whether it's a criminal suspect, a missing person, a dementia patient, uh, they'll take a, a screenshot they have, or maybe it's a, a camera uh, still from a, a video camera, and they'll send it out to all the riders. It'll pop up on the phone. And they'll have a little description there saying, we're looking for this child or we're looking for this person. Uh, if you see them, let us know. And a lot of times a rider will see, look around the train and say, huh, he's sitting right over there. And they'll just hit a button. He's sitting right here with me on the train. And they, they go and they solve the, uh, the missing person. And as you said, if they take that picture, it's got the GPS coordinates that goes back. So they'll know exactly what train and can be waiting at the next stop, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what they did. I think that's wonderful. We would love to hear and listen to success stories like all day long because quite frankly, Melissa and I love to hear the, the good news after we deal with our, our bad news during the day. But we know that eLerts is always in development and working with partners to find new ways to provide assistance to riders and to the community. Are there any new projects that eLerts working on now that you would like to share with the listeners? Yes, there is a, a recent project. Just last week, we partnered with the San Francisco BART Transit Agency. Uh, they launched their Not One More Girl campaign in partnership with the Alliance for Girls, a Bay Area uh, advocacy group for safety and for fight uh, unwanted sexual harassment. So uh, we were happy to work with BART on that project, and we've added some new report types so that people can choose that they're experiencing unwanted sexual harassment. And there's also a page of information describing what resources are available to help fight sexual harassment and transportation. We like that. And yes. we hope people will reach out to you and come up with new ways to partner with eLerts for safety. 
But that is all the time we have for today. But we want to make sure that people use the eLerts app. And so you can go to any app store on your smartphone and you can download it for free. And you can learn more about Chris and Ed and eLerts. As they mentioned, the webpage is eLerts.com. Please make sure you're following them on social media at eLerts on Facebook and at, and at eLerts Core on Twitter. Ed and Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. And the floor is yours for any parting thoughts or comments. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having us on today. Uh, it, it's a very important service, but it's, it's ultimately the people who make a difference here. We built the technology and the system, and we're getting it out to the transit agencies and the airports. But the, the fuel in the system is the people, the crowdsourced information nobody can see everything that the riders see. Like uh, transits are massive sprawling entities. And to have tens of thousands of people all watching out for each other, essentially they're all watching each other's back and using this technology to keep each other safe. Uh, that really, that makes us feel good. Absolutely, that makes us feel good. I love that idea that everyone's got each other's back. So thank you again, Ed and Chris. And as always, if you guys like what you hear, please subscribe. You can find us on social media at No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to safety. I'm just good at caring too much.